Ernest, what's up? Y'all know I'm big on doing your research, sharing your research, and giving credit to where you found the research. But I always get asked the same question. Where do I start with the research? And the answer is easy. It's our sponsor, Yahoo Finance. Whether I'm tracking the daily movement of my favorite companies, doing technical analysis with their easy-to-use charting platform, or checking balance sheets, Yahoo Finance makes something very complex simplified. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. Whether you're a seasoned investor or you're looking for extra guidance, Yahoo Finance gives you all the tools and data you need in one place. They're the number one finance destination producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. You could actually securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including your 401k and other investments. A comprehensive perspective is what sets apart great investors. And it's how Yahoo Finance ensures you have the insight to look at your wealth in its entirety. With a community of over 90 million users each month, their real strength is helping you on your way to financial success. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com. The number one financial destination. That's yahoofinance.com. You heard me, yahoofinance.com. Don't wait, don't hesitate. I use it. You should go over there and start using it now. You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow. I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. All right, guys. Welcome back. Another edition. EYL. This is the Legend Series. We always, <laughs> That's a fact. We always <laughs> like these type of episodes where we interview OGs in the game, whether it's Chris Gotti, whether it's Kenny Burns, whether it's Jason Jeter, um, they're always good stories and just a ton of gems and information. So this is right along the lines of that. Yeah. Sean Prez, a legend in his own right, um, started as as an intern in the music biz for, for Diddy, and then became his role manager, then became the vice president of Bad Boy. Um, then he actually created a, a company called Power Moves, Inc., which is a, a major marketing firm. Big time. Um, New York DJ icon which led to him actually creating what they call the Grammys of, for DJs, the um, Global Spin Awards. It's a big deal. Um, and a variety of other things. So oh, this- oh, we, we forgot some. What's that? South Bronx. Oh, yeah. Oh, we can't forget that. Ooh. Come on, man, we can't do that. <laughs> the Bronx. Shout out to the South Bronx, South, home, South Bronx. The home of hip hop. That's, <laughs> right. That's right. So um, yeah, this is gonna be a, you know, an entertaining conversation, an educational conversation, lighting conversation. I'm looking forward to it. So first and foremost, thank you for joining us. Appreciate it. Uh, first and foremost, thank y'all for having me. Like EYL, <laughs> like this is. Can, 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 can I take over? I know this yeah, is yeah, show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, this talk has become a, a, a freaking destination. Like, like <laughs> I got the call. I'm like making sure that my hair's cut. 
what I'm going to wear today. Am I smelling right? Like this, this thing that y'all have created, just know it is really impacting. And now it's one of them things like you feel like you arrived if you get the call to be on NYA. <laughs> so thank y'all for having me. Yeah, right? I appreciate it. So it's crazy that you said that because when we, uh, we initially started, and I kind of mentioned to you earlier, one of our first episodes, like episode 19, Derek Ferguson, mm-hmm. dude I went to church with, who obviously was at Bad Boy, he told us a lot of things on that episode. It was an amazing episode, but he was like, you know, I'm gonna help y'all get some people. He's like, you know who you need to start with? Sean Prez. I'm like, all right, Derek, let's set it up. Shout yeah. out to Deep Ferg. <laughs> <laughs> that was a year and a half ago, man. Wow. So I'm, I'm happy that, it, it, I mean, it's finally come to fruition, man. That's dope. Yeah, no, better yeah. late than never. I'm here. <laughs> That's a fact. So let's, let's, let's jump into it. All right. Music, you know, if anybody watches EYL, you know that me and Troy are hip-hop babies. We grew up on music, so we always like to have these conversations. And to me, it's always interesting to hear the backstory. So you started as an intern for Bad Boy and worked your way up to the vice president mm-hmm. at the time when Bad Boy, like when we interviewed Styles, he said like Bad Boy was like the Chicago Bulls, 96 <laughs> Chicago Bulls. So for anybody that's young, they might not realize how strong they can't grasp Bad it. Boy was, but that was like... <laughs> probably the strongest movement ever in hip hop history um, during that time frame. So how did, how, how did your journey go from being an intern to being, you know, one of the top people in the, in the chain of command? You know, I got to go back a little further, if you don't mind. I, I, <laughs> I took five internships. Mm-hmm. You know, Bad Boy was my fifth. Um, and I was trying my best, my hardest. I was doing everything I knew how to do to get into the music industry. And year over year, and this is before labor laws. Like, like you could work for free back then, and the labels didn't have to pay you nothing. They didn't have to give you car fare. They didn't have to give you lunch money. You didn't have to be in school and get credit. A real intern. So I was trying my best to get in the game for years. And I would do a year at Arista, and be like, can I get a job? And they was yeah. like, we're not hiring. I just gave you a year of free labor. <laughs> like, you know, I went to Atlantic. I, w- I went to every label I can get to. And when I got to Bad Boy, and the reason I want to go back, and I think it's necessary, because I didn't just shoot up the chain, you know, from no- by the time I got to Bad Boy, I was an uncaged savage. Like, <laughs> like they had kept me in a cage for six years trying to get in this game. So by the time I got to Bad Boy, what I thought was, you know, the world working against me because I couldn't get a job to save my life in the music industry, it actually turned out to be the biggest blessing of my life because I came in as an intern, but I was so experienced from all of them years of working and not getting paid and I was so hungry, I came in with a different kind of aggression. And all the other interns, it was like, word? Like, like, like <laughs> you know, serious? And, and that's the way I felt about everybody in that label. Like, I would look at the coordinators, the directors, you know, I, I was looking at, and I was like, yo, y'all are, I, I mean, I'm happy to be here, but yeah. y'all work ethic. Like, how, how old were you when you an intern? Um, when I started interning, when I get to Bad Boy? Bad Boy, when you get to Bad Boy? About 23. So, what, so uh, what's the time frame in Bad Boy are we at? Are we right before Ready to Die or are we in the mix already? We we are right after Ready to Die dropped. Ooh, like okay. right after. Damn, that's it. That's so, so let me ask you this. Perfect time. 23, <laughs> how old was Puff? 21, 22? No, 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 no. Puff's older than me. Puff got me for about two years. Three so like years. 25? Yeah. 
How was that? How was that to be a 23 year old intern for a 25 year old CEO? Like, how was that experience? Because usually it doesn't you. work like that. Usually in the corporate world, like your boss is like 60 years old, 50 years old, yeah, yeah, 25 yeah. year old puff. Like, how is that? <laughs> we can only imagine. <laughs> nah, I, I, I can tell you. First and foremost, long before I got to Bad Boy, you know, I was working and trying to get in the industry. Puff was that dude in this city. Like, let's let's be clear. Like, Puff was throwing parties. Know, he was throwing parties. Yeah, he had the red zone. Like, Puff had all types of stuff going on. He had just come off Mary J. Blige first album. Mm. He 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 really changed the world of um R and B because before Puff. R&B looked like the OJs and it looked yeah. like, like they was doing yeah. choreographed steps and spinning and all that stuff. It was New, it was new Jack for a little bit. Yeah, it was, it, it, but Puff bought it, he bought a whole different, like he put Mary, yeah. queen of hip hop soul in a baseball cap, Jodeci. like Jodeci. Yep. He had them looking like rappers. So, you know, he would, working for a 25 year old CEO, it was dope because you could relate to him, number one, but Puff is, and, 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 and I love to get, and y'all got a big uh, platform, so I'm going to do this, you know, where, where I know he can get his flowers. Puff was different. Like, like I know everybody say they work hard. I know everybody scream, yo, you got to be up early and, you know, work late. I'm a hard worker. I am aggressive. I'm a beast but it ain't never one day in my life working next to that man that I thought I outworked him. Damn. So working for a 25 year old CEO was aspirational. I got to look and learn from the best hands on. So without, without a doubt. Yeah, I heard. I heard Puff don't sleep. I heard that from him. Yeah, nah, he's sleeping now. Like, like, let's not. I, I gave him his credit, but I call Puff now. He be sleep. So, he on California time. Yeah, exactly. Maybe that's what it is. So, so, so moving, moving, moving through the ranks in Bad Boy, mm -hmm. as far as on the music side, um, and working your way up to be a, the vice president. What does that entail? Like to be a vice president of a, of a label. What's your responsibility? Are you A and R in projects? Are you marketing everything? I was actually I was actually vice president of promotion. Okay. Um, to be specific. Okay. And and that is really you you for me. I started out intern, working on a street team, worked my way up from coordinator, running a national street team, mm. running um, mix show radio, all of that stuff, and then you start to get into real radio. So <laughs> that that it, it's it's. How do I say it? It's it's dope because if you're young and you're living the lifestyle, yeah. who don't want to be in the music industry? So, and then I had a, a front row seat. Like I was in the hottest label at the hottest time ever in the game. So for <laughs> me, you didn't have to be a rapper. You you could be you know, the guy next to the guy next to the guy next to the rapper. The street team. That's what, so, I mean, I'm listening to you now. And I'm like, yo, I know I saw the title. Like, Puff called you the ambassador of the streets. Absolutely. Because, like, you was literally out there. But the street team has some legends in it, too. Oh, without, without a doubt. But see, this is, and I would love to share this with your audience. I don't care where you get in. I didn't cut, like, I went to college. I didn't, I didn't go to college to be on nobody's street team. Mm -hmm. But that's the way I had to get in. And for me, getting in was, 
I'll I'll pick up the garbage. Like you you want the garbage picked up? Like I, I'll do that. You want the toilet bowls clean? I'll do that. I came to the label. They was like, yo, all we need right now, we're not hiring. I wanted to be an A and R. I didn't want to be even in promotion. They were the people on the street team, and that was my way in. And I was like, yo, okay, I'm not happy about this. But I'm about to raise the bar in a way y'all never seen before. Let me let me ask you this, because a lot of young people might not even know what a street team is, because um, there's no street teams no more. But <laughs> nah. can you just even explain, like, because to me, Bad Boy had an extremely strong street team. Rough Ride is something I've never seen uh, uh, before. Uh, uh, that... No, 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 no. Watch your mouth. Watch your... <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Watch your mouth. Bad Boy had the, and I'm looking in the camera, Bad Boy had the number one street team. Everybody out there. Ask them was fighting for second place. It was just was a given. Y'all had, y'all had one. the banners. Y'all had the, the sticks with the bad boy joint. Y'all had the flags running. I, the sti- I we mean, were the most everywhere. creative. We were the most aggressive. Shout out to June Balloon. Shout out to Shan the Butcher. Shout out to so many of the guys who, you know, even came before me and laid down the pavement that, that we could really do what we did. But that bad boy street team, you know, that was legendary. And then when I came in, and really took it over, my man Rome. Like, like Puff called me the ambassador of the streets, but I couldn't do nothing with that, with that, without that army of savages <laughs> led by my man Rome and all of those guys. So now, nah. so it was a all right. So the street team is a real street, like a bunch of people that's putting up flyers, that's going to clubs, that's handing out T-shirts, that's doing all of this, right? So are these people getting paid or? Yeah, these people are getting paid. They're getting paid. So you, so how many people was actually on the street team? Okay, so the great question. It depends. Like when when I came in, I was charged with taking what we were doing in New York and replicating it mm. nationwide. So I wanted to go in and find, you know, people people might not know what street teams are. But street teams are the equivalent of today's influencers. Mm. These are the people who other people look to for what's hot, what's next. These are the people who have their finger on the pulse of what's coming up. It might not be hot today, but yeah. check it out. In six months from now, you're going to be hearing about this artist. Or this is going to be something that you're going to want to buy. These are going to be sneakers that you want to wear. That's what the, the street team really are. So I would go town to town, market to market, and we would just try to pick out some of the, of, of, of the craziest street influences. So it might be that girl who got the biggest mouth you know what I'm saying? Like, like in her school, everybody's looking to her for the gossip. But she has a, a constituency by herself. Everybody looked to her. Or it might be that guy who's the, you know, he always got the fresh new J's on. He's always the one who's wearing the new clothes. Yo, you need to be down with us. And we took them and, and took what they naturally do and just laser focused them on our mission, in our records. So y'all doing that from city to city? Because now I'm looking, I'm like, yo, damn. Y'all did that with the music, but they also did that, because it sounds like the Sorak Boys, same thing. Yeah, shout out to Nick Storm. He told us that same story. So while the street team is doing that, are you, are you hands-on now with the artists? Are you the guy that's like, yo, this is the record, y'all, you're going up to radio, you're the guy, that's I'm you. The, I'm the guy, but but you know, and in, in here's where I got to shout out Hard Pierre. Um, you know, it's funny because I told y'all I wanted to be a a and R when I got in the game, and sometimes you 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 look for what's shiny, you look for what's hot. The A and R is one of the most coveted positions in the music industry, right? Everybody wants to be an A and R, but 
the more I got deeper into the game, I learned things about myself. I don't like the studio. Mm. I don't like being in a confined space, people smoking, because the artists are always smoking, and, and they need to get that creative juices going, and music is blasting, and you hearing the same record 50 million times. For me, I was like, I know I wish for that, but thank God I didn't get it, because I would have been a worse A&R, because I just didn't even want to be around. So I always, when the records was done, I would go to the studio, but I wanted to hear it like a fan. Give me this when it's a finished product. Let me drive up up and down the West Side Highway on my uh, way back and forth to work <laughs> and, and listen to this like I'm a fan. And then, yes, I would come into the office and be like, this is our record. This is the one. Trust me when I tell you. And I'm the kind of person, you know, I put my nuts on the line. Like, like if I say this is it, consider it broke. Like, like. I hold mean, me accountable. I, I, how many, I mean, you must have heard a bunch of them. Like, that's the one. Like, every week, you're probably exactly. like, that's the one, that's the but, one, that's the one. That's again, the one. shout to Harv, shout to Puff. They made my job easy. <laughs> <laughs> let me, let me, I got a couple questions. Um, so the first question is for radio, right? Because mm -hmm. I, I watched the Breakfast Club interview, and you were saying that you went to radio with um, Black Rob, I think. That's when you first met Charlemagne. Mm -hmm. So, like, what's the process to break somebody's record on radio? Like, how do you, how does... Like, cause you always hear like you know they pushing it to the DJs yeah. and you got to talk to the the director, program directors, and all that. Like, what's the process for that? That's a great question. Um, you know, it it is a little different now, but it's somewhat the same. Nobody today wants to put in the work, and everybody want to be in the music industry. Everyone, everybody want to blow, but nobody want to put in the in the work. And here's what I mean by that. Back when we was coming up, I look around and, and I applaud y'all. Y'all got life after death on one side. Yeah. You got the blueprint on the other side. And, and, but you got it as wax. So, yeah, so yeah, we yeah. get it. Y'all know y'all hip hop, <laughs> right? It used to cost a lot of money to, to, to put records on wax. And if you was willing to invest your money in studio, real studio, like now, you, it's cheap. You could do it from home. You can go in your bathroom and make a hit record, you don't have the same value as if you spent real money. Like back in those days, you had to go to the studio and you was getting two hours. It was no sitting around chilling. I got to go in there and I got to knock this out. So when you came out of it and you finally had your wax or you finally had your CD or whatever, you had to hit the ground and you had to really work the streets, work the streets. And that's the part, like go club to club, DJ to DJ, sit and a DJ's in the booth and you're begging them and you're pleading with him, like, look, please play my record. And they're like, yeah, 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 next. It's coming on next. <laughs> and you hear that for three hours straight. <laughs> that type of work still works today. But people are not getting up and they're not going and they're not harassing the DJs the way that we used to. They're not knocking, like, I mean, you can ask any anybody when it comes to me like if you wasn't if i wasn't on your phone when you went to the to, to the clubs i was there sitting at the dj booth like look you know i got a job get my record on and then the djs one of two things happen they either start to respect your grind or they're like let me play this person's record because i know he ain't going nowhere you know, so let me give you this spin but in that you start to develop real relationships 
So when it comes time to get your record on the radio, well, Clues used to you harassing them in the clubs. Now we got a real relationship. You know, Flex is used to you harassing them. Now we got a real relationship, and then it's just a phone call. But do they really have, like, do the DJs really have power? Because I was told, like, they, they just get told what to play from the program director, which comes from the top up, and they don't really have the power to actually play what they, what they really might want to play. That's an excellent question. It really is. Back in the days, they did have way more power than they have now. Mm-hmm. But everything is not playlisted. So let's just say a DJ has a one-hour um, mix show yeah. slot maybe 40 minutes of that is playlisted. And then your program director will let you just get busy just so long as you're not playing crazy records and you can sandwich a, a, a new record in between two hits. Yeah. yeah. So, D- DJ Self broke a lot of, he's broken guy. a lot of people. Shout out to Self. Shout, yeah. Yeah, definitely, yeah. shout out to Self. What's your thoughts on on the, the, the role that you used to have now, right? Where artists can almost break their own records, right? Like if they just get on SoundCloud or they get on YouTube, like, what do you think the role now is? What does it look like? In terms of breaking your own record? Or trying to break a record for an artist when, I mean, technically, you know what I mean? Like, they're, most of them are trying to break, especially in New York, it's like- So you're you, saying they don't need somebody to break their record for them, they break their own records? Yeah, I'm, you know what I'm saying? Like, the role of, of the A&R, the role of the, the VP of promotion, is it kind of diminished now, in a sense? No, no, like, like at the end of the day, you, Radio is still viable. I don't, you know, you have all these streaming platforms and artists now can eat long before the world knows them because they get paid royalties every time their records um, are streamed. Mm -hmm. But you don't become an A-list star until radio starts to bang it, until radio puts you in rotation. So radio is still... Uh, if you want to be a, a celebrity, if you want to be that guy, radio is still very important for you. But you can do this yourself now, but you got to put in the work. And I think that because everybody has access to uploading their records to you know, Spotify or, or um, iTunes, it's made the process so easy that people just, now they think, oh, I push a few buttons, and, and it's going to react, and they don't do the work. Yeah, it's a crowded space. Yeah, it's yeah. a very crowded it's, space. It's different now, too, because I feel like there's so many different lanes. Like, you're right, because I, I still listen to radio and um, in my car. I'm not one of these people that listen to Spotify, but I know, like, NBA Youngboy, I've never heard his song on the radio, but he's the biggest artist on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And there's a bunch of people that I've never heard on the radio, but they, they run up crazy numbers on Spotify. So I feel like there are different lanes, but, yeah, I, I agree with you that radio's not dead, even though, you know, I, I just think that it, it may not be as no. vital as it once was. Because they were the only show in town. Right. It was like, yeah. it was, if you wanted to blow, you had to get on radio. It's option A, B, Now it's options. Yeah. You know, but again, you know, and, and I'll underline, if you want to become a, a, a mainstream superstar, you still need radio. So at, at the point when you're, I mean, you're putting out hits after hits after hits, right? And I'm hearing it in your, what you're saying, right? You didn't like to be in the studio. Um, you, you didn't like to be around the smoke. You just wanted to get the finished product. At what point are you saying to yourself, like, this isn't for me. I need to do something else. Oh, that's, yeah, you speaking my language. It's <laughs> a, a good question. I think it's a teaching moment for people. Um, you know, it, it's funny because 
I try to always stay, stay tapped into to God, and and I'm very I'm very very open about you know really my relationship with God, and God has us on this journey, and sometimes you can think that that the path you're on is going to be the path that you know I'm going to the promised land mm -hmm. in this lane, and at the peak, you know of well no I'm not gonna say. Because we had major, major success in the late 90s, early 2000s. Then Bad Boy started to fall off. Um, and then, you know, Black Raw put the label on his back and, you know, brought us back. And, and Shine came and all of those great artists, Carl Thomas, so forth and so on. But somewhere in the middle of that, I, a realization hit me. I'm traveling, and, and it's something that, that you know, we, we haven't talked about, but I was, at the same time that I'm doing all the promotions, mm -hmm. I'm p part of Puff's management team. So I'm literally his tour manager and road manager. So I'm traveling the world, I'm on planes, trains, and automobiles, and a realization starts to hit me, like, yo, you eating steak tonight, and you staying at, you know, the Four Seasons, but this is his legacy. Mm. It ain't yours. Mm. Like, is I'm getting a check. Yeah. But what we were building, we're saying bad boy, like like right now. This We're talking about his legacy. And I had to come to terms with myself that as a man, I wanted to build my legacy. And I started to, you know, it's crazy because as God is putting this in my heart, I'm fighting it. Because I'm like, yo, I, I, I worked my whole life for this. Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> but sometimes you just gotta trust your intuition. You gotta trust that inner voice. And um, it took me a couple of years of really fighting it before I decided it was time for me to put my resignation in. So, but, but 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 even when you put your resignation <clears throat> in, there was a story with that. Yeah, he oh. he wouldn't let you leave, right? So how, <laughs> how'd that go? Okay, like like again, I'm gonna give my man Puff his flowers while while he's still alive and he can still smell him. But I feel like I'm giving him way too much. Like <laughs> here's the deal, I you know, these are those moments that people need to 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 really listen to, because I hope it helps you in your journey. We down in Miami, I'm staying at the Mandarin Oriental Hotel. I have a terrible memory, but I remember this like it was yesterday. It's Memorial Day weekend. Maybe it's 04, 05, somewhere in there. Still and crazy time out there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes, oh, it, was, it was wild. And everybody's having a ball, you know, but I was in a deep depression because that voice, that thing that Oprah refers to as a whisper, I started to hear that a few years earlier. And by the time that I got to Miami Beach, now it wasn't a whisper, it was a punch in my face, it was boom. Like, like I was in my hotel room and I woke up and I was supposed to be out working that morning, I couldn't leave my room. And I was depressed, I was confused, and I did what I always do, I dropped to my knees. And when I dropped to my knees, I promise y'all on everything I love, I heard God's voice just like I'm hearing y'all's voices. And God said, it's time to go. 
Simple as that. It's time to go. And that was the first time that I listened. I had been hearing, I had been feeling it, but then it was just a voice and it was time to go. And we did Memorial Day weekend. We killed it out there. Bad Boy was crazy in the streets. And when I got back that Tuesday, I handed in my resignation, right? So if you know Puff, Puff, and I say this as politely as I know how to, but Puff is like a jealous girl. Like, like he's, <laughs> he's not a dude who, you know, you really want to break up with. Like, <laughs> Puff will put the pressure on you, all that. So I went and I handed in my resignation and I gave it to HR. And I was like, yo, you, you know, I got two weeks. And for those two weeks, I did everything in my power not to see this guy. So if I knew he was coming in the building, I was slipping out the back door. Like, like I was not staying around this guy at all. And on the 12th day, I get a call from HR, like, Puff want to see you. And I'm like, he's here? <laughs> it was like, like, I don't know if y'all ever seen the movie The Green Mile, but, but the dude is on death row and, you know, he's taking that final walk. That's how I felt going to Puff's office. Cause I just knew I didn't want to look him in his face. Like, like, like I said, I took five internships. He gave me a job. Yeah. Um, and I remember going in that office and I got the nervous smile on. And I'm looking and I'm sitting at this side of the table and Puff is at that side. And this is how he was. He was <laughs> Godfather still. Yeah, like like and, and he and he tilted his head when he's thinking, like he's trying to figure out what he's gonna say. And um he was like, Yo, Playboy. Like, like I this, and that's how you like, like I did something to you. Like, you not happy here? I'm not paying you, and I had to go through my whole spiel. Like, puff, it ain't you. Like the whole breakup with the girl. Like it ain't you. It's me. <laughs> yeah, like I went through the whole thing. Like, yo, it ain't you. It's me. And I told him like, like my big dreams and my plans. Like, you know, I, I want to build my own and I want to start my own legacy. And it was in that moment, and that's why I say you have to, you gotta listen when, 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 when God is speaking to you. You gotta be in tune, because Puff did something he's never done before, and I don't know if he's ever done it since. But he, he, he stayed quiet once I gave him his spill, and it's crazy too, because he had a security like, like right? he had his security standing in the corner. Just, just in case. So I didn't know what I was in for. Yo, close I'm the door sitting by, there. Close the door behind you. Exactly. <laughs> and he said, yo, Playboy, he said, yo, I can't stop you from leaving. But here's what I'm going to do for you. He said, I'll give you office space. I'll give you my infrastructure. You don't have to worry about phones at that time it was fax machines you don't have to worry about none of that you could stay here and you could build your company under my roof and i want to be your first account mm. and that was the blessing of all bl now granted he said i'm gonna take you off payroll like, <laughs> like, i'm not paying you you're gonna pay your like like you want to be an entrepreneur like you're gonna do it on your own but he allowed me to keep my health insurance yeah. and i was able to build my company within his company. And I'm forever grateful to yeah. this man for that because that's how I was able to, you know, go out and, 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 and build a staff and all of those things. And, you know, the great part about it is so many people in the outside world, they didn't know. So I kept, I was able to keep that, that, that affiliation. 
um, being that close to him. They just thought you were still there. They still thought there. I was still there. So is that the birth <clears throat> of Power Moves Inc.? That is the birth, That's the birth of Power Moves Because, Inc. I mean, I, I've listened to a lot of your stuff, and you was like, yo, you've been an entrepreneur since you were born. It's yep. the thing you've wanted to do so much. So PMI, was that the, you already had that vision drawn up, or as you were doing the street team, you were like, you know what? I got this thing that I, I think I want to do. Or had that been something that you were originally planned? Well, you, you got it 100% right. I've always been an entrepreneur. I was that kid who was washing cars. I was doing any, packing bags. I, I was doing anything, everything I could do. But this is, you know, when you really good at what you do, like when you, and I told y'all, like I, I, I was brutal. Like I, I was a beast. Um, and what, what, while I was working these records and we was coming up with these incredible marketing campaigns, I was doing it for bad boy, but I started to get calls from corporate brands and they wanted to know like, who is like, who's, who's behind this? Like who's executing this? And I started to pick up these accounts on the side and at the time, and it's funny because, you know, sometimes we, we tell people to go out there, jump out the window, bet on yourself. I was making more money on the side than I was making on my salary. And I was still scared to leave and put my resignation in. Mm. So it, it, it was just one of those things. It was a natural evolution. I was always a hustler. But at the time, I was keeping it on the low. I had to hide all of the side work that I was doing. Yeah. So the, the, the boss find out, no, I ain't paying you no more. <laughs> <laughs> so, so as far as building a marketing firm, how does that work as far as like you just working account by account or do you have like one big account that's kind of like carrying you over for the for the for the time frame because that can seem like a pretty stressful situation right it's it, like being an entrepreneur is, is, is a pretty stressful well, situation like that's a fact. <laughs> y'all know that <laughs> so yeah no you it, it comes both ways to answer your question you get your retainer accounts if you're blessed and lucky enough um, in some of it, you, you, it's account by account. Like, you know, it might be brands out there that are launching new campaigns and they just need somebody to execute it. They need somebody to come in with fresh new ideas. And it's just for this launch, you know, it might be for, you know, uh, the Christmas season, October, November, December, mm -hmm. or it might be the launch of these new sneakers or McDonald's decides that they come out, they have a new campaign. We just want it for the next six months. So you're good. So you always are juggling accounts. What was your favorite that was just highlight? That. Yeah, what's your highlight <laughs> of your marketing? Um, two, two come to mind off the rip. Number one, the vote or die campaign of, uh, that was a big 04. one. That was, that was 04. One. I, yeah. I had that shirt and yeah. def definitely had that shirt. That was a big one. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 I'm the man behind it. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like that was Puff's brainchild for, for 100%, but we, we were the executors on the streets, um, 100%. And then it was the Ciroc Boys. It, it, was, it was, you know, creating that program. Um, oh, so you, so Nick Storm, you worked with Nick Storm on that? Or? <laughs> I saw that show. <laughs> I saw that episode. I say, be careful, Nick's alumni. Yeah, like, like, like. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I do watch EYL. <laughs> so, um, no, shout out to Nick Storm. No, here's, here's the real, right? Um, that's our guy. You know what? <laughs> like, like, he's our guy. He's a, I think he's the first, maybe the only, right? The, to bring his own wine glass and start yeah, drinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Nick is dope. Nick, Nick is dope. Nick is dope. Um, but <clears throat> the, the, 
Here's, here's the birth of the Ciroc boys, right? I got a call. Before Ciroc was what y'all know it to be, mm-hmm. um, Ciroc was selling something like 40,000 cases. You know, I went up to the very first meeting with Puff and a woman named Jackie Lee who deserves her credit. She was working at Diageo, and she was the one who had the the uh, the out-of-the-box thought that, yo, we should bring somebody in um, that is on the level of a Diddy and, and have him put his muscle behind this brand. And Puff went in, and the deal was done, and I'll never forget. Puff called me. It was 5 a.m. He was in his Miami crib, and he woke me up, and he, he, he you know, he was doing what he do. Prez, yo, this one can change all our lives, playboy. Like, like <laughs> listen, man, like, like, I need you, and this is exact words. Yo, I need you to put that brilliant marketing brain of yours to work, man. Like this can this, this can be the one that that set us up for life. And I had to sit and I had to think, what can we do that would be effective? What can, and here's the deal, right? People know Ciroc now, mm-hmm. but phonetically, Try sounding out C-I-R-O-C. Like, I was taking this to, to people in the hood and influencers, and people was like, cur, 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 like, people didn't even know how to pronounce it. So there was certain hurdles we had to come over, and then I had the, the thought process of, uh, 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 you know, it's just one of those moments, man, where, where you're like, yo, it's the DJs. You know, my whole career had been working with the DJs, and, and, and that's why you got to trust this process, man. You have to trust the process. I was a dude who didn't even want to work with the DJs. Puff and Half Pierre told me, you're taking this job. You have to be the guy who runs Mix Show. That's, that's, that's what they said. Like, when my man Malcolm Miles left the company, they made me run – it was the best thing that ever happened to me because I built these these incredible relationships with all of these different DJs around the country. And when I started to think about it, I said, yo, you know what? We don't even need to go far from home. The DJs are in the clubs. And what do they sell in the clubs? Liquor. The DJs are on the radio and they're shouting stuff out all day, every day, in between the hottest records. So I started to put together the hottest DJs around the country. And I didn't come up with the name Ciroc Boys. I don't know who came up with it. But, and I think it was Puff who came up with it. But B it was me. Who did he say came up with it? I don't, I don't Terrence know. Terrence J. Terrence J came up? Yeah, yeah I didn't Terrence come up J. with the name. Terrence yeah, yeah, J. Yeah, that's right. That's a fact. At, at the video shoot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but but... Putting that DJ crew together is what really took us over the top because it was a way to bring the brand into people's lifestyles in the most seamless, the most, like, it it just was easy. And I handpicked every DJ, and I wanted to make the program aspirational. So if you became a Ciroc boy, that meant you made it. You got like, stamped. Like you, yeah, you got the stamp. Like, <laughs> yeah. I had DJs all over the world. Like, can I be a Ciroc? No, you cannot. <laughs> like, get the work. So, like, like seriously. And, and it's funny because we talked about Self, right? Self is a dude I've been knowing since he was a young buck. Like, like, and I used to always tell Self, 
Because Self used to always want records. And now I used to be like, yourself, like, you're not urgent. Like, you're I'm not giving urgent. this record I, I to, like to Clue. No, like I'm giving this record. <laughs> you're not to, urgent. Yeah, and, and he'll tell you. And, I, and, it, and, it, and, it, and it made my heart feel good when, 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 when Self went so freaking hard. And he had this city, New York City, on fire. It wasn't a club you can go to without self-breaking records. And I'll never forget the call and being like, yo, come up here. I got a record for you. Nobody else got it. You're urgent, playboy. You're urgent, playboy. <laughs> Having self yo, be a Ciroc boy. That's like, a drop. You, real that's talk. A, yo, that's a drop. What, you remember what record it was? I don't even remember uh, what record it was. Uh, I, don't remember. I just remember being so happy to tell him, like, yo, you made it. Like you, you official now. Yo, from that story, man, and I'm just listening to it. I'm like, the power of relationships, and we talk oh, about 100%. it a lot, man. You didn't even want to be around DJs, nope. But look at what being around DJs helped you. From obviously with the bad boy situation, but now with the Ciroc thing, and then that transitions into your your next masterpiece, mm -hmm. which is the Global Spin. Absolutely. Yeah, let's let's, let's talk let's, about that because DJs. Let's go there. I feel like DJs are the forgotten people in hip hop. They there's, are. there's really no hip hop without a DJ. They're very influential people, like you said, you, from from the nightclubs, yeah. from the radios, to I mean, the DJs need to break the record. Like they, you know, what I'm saying that's what when Nas said. Early hip hop dies, blame it on the DJ. Like, <laughs> you, know you got you got to think though. Early hip hop, everybody had a DJ, right? Even Absolutely. If it was Eric B and Rock Kim, right? If it was, it was Jam, Jam Master J, Jam Master Run J. DMC. Even the Fresh Prince had Jazzy Jeff. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, everybody, like, everybody had the Salt and Pepper had Spinderella. There you go. And then it was the DJ was a part of. I mean, you can go to EPMD with Scratch. Scratch. You, I mean, the, the, the DJ was a part of the group. They was the third yeah. member of the group. And then, and then, even when the DJ kind of transformed into a producer, I still feel like I feel like Swiss Beats is still a DJ with. Like his relationship with DMX. Like you know what I'm saying? But he's a producer side. Yeah. But yes, it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. like Dr. Dre and Snoop. But or, but you you know Swiss was a DJ. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, so, so when you hear so many of his beats sonically, the reason why he's so successful because he can think like a DJ. Like oh, like when this when this beat hit, when this kick comes in, so like good. the DJ can bring it back. He get like he think, and that's why he was so successful. Yeah, even like a mustard and YG in today's time. Same thing. Yep. So. All right, so yeah, so the DJs, very influential people, very important people, but they've been ignored for a long time. So you had this idea to come up with an award show for DJs. How did, how did that come about? Um, it's twofold. Number one, my career going back to the 90s, it, it always involved the DJs. And they, they have been so um, important to me becoming me, becoming that guy in the industry. So that was number one. But number two, as the music industry really blossomed, you know, you had a lot of people who were working the DJs and the DJs started feeling themselves. Like, like <laughs> you know, they getting calls from everybody. And, you know, some of them would forget, like, yo, play, I I've been down with you from day one. You know, if they got 15 people calling them to play records, it's easy to get a, a little bit of swelled head. So I had to kind of turn the tables. I had to be like, I'm not, I'm not regular. Like, like <laughs> I, I don't know about these promotion guys, but don't play yourself. Not with me. <laughs> so part of it was my give back to the culture, um, and and really acknowledging 
the forgotten, the 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 the, the guys who were on the ground breaking these records. Mm. I would watch artists that I would break, and they would be unknown, and they would be on these conference calls with these DJs, and they anything you need, I got you this, that, and the third. Then the artists blow up, and they go and get a Grammy, and they think everybody, they think the janitor in their building, and they forget to thank the DJ. So they were the forgotten ones. And then I just, like I said, you know, I, 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 I'm like, don't confuse me with, the, with these other promoters. Like, so let me create something that when my phone call come through, y'all are eager to pick that phone up. Mm. So that was part of my motivation. So it's like, a, it's like a marketing play almost. Absolutely. Because now the DJs, you got the award show, so they kind of, they got to hold you in high regard because yeah. you're like the guy. I'm like, I'm, for, for, for them, nobody else did it for them. Nobody else did. And see, here, here was the beauty. I created the Global Spin Awards when, when I was transitioning out of music full time. So I didn't need anything from them. You don't have to play my record. This is my give back to you. This is my give back to the culture. This is going to be part of my legacy. So it, 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 was, it worked you know, kind of across the board. And, and like I said, it, it, it wasn't too many of my calls that was not answered or not returned right away. I got a couple questions about the technical side of things because we hear about the Grammy so much and it's, it's fitting that we're having this conversation because, you know, everybody, every year somebody gets snubbed at the Grammys, recently Little Baby. Uh, uh, but um, uh, so, so these award shows are actually businesses. Mm -hmm. So a few, few questions. First, um, how do you go about, cause I'm assuming this costs a lot of money, right? How do you go about getting sponsors to to kind of put this put this together? Because it's a lot, I'm assuming, to have venues and things of that nature. Like, what's the inner workings from the business side? It's a great question. And again, I got to go back to what I keep preaching. Trust the process. Trust the process. God don't have you on this road for no reason. I didn't know when I was building Power Moves Inc. marketing and promotion that all of the brands that we were doing this great work with, one day I would need to go back to them mm -hmm. and say, look, I'm developing, in, I'm developing the Grammys for the DJs. And now I need you guys to come on board and sponsor. So for me, I had already had a, a, a infrastructure in place, proposal writers, um, you know, we, we, we were in touch with the marketing directors at different brands. So I'm not going to say it's easy because it was never, it, it is never easy building anything from the ground up. It's never easy. But for us, at least we were prepared to go out there and get this sponsorship. And yes, it is a very, very expensive endeavor to embark on trying to create this, um, this live award show, and and I I dream big. Yeah. I dream very big. Um, so I wanted to to be the Grammys the first year out. I want, and my vision was, you know, when people think of DJs at that time, a lot of the DJs was overweight. You know, <laughs> like like every DJ was heavy for for some reason. That was like a prerequisite <laughs> to spin records. But people don't really see them as as the way I wanted the world to see them. Uh, Global Spin Awards won because we created a platform that was red carpet, invite only. Um, you got to be suited and booted. Bring your wife. And I also 
I didn't the DJs touch everybody's lives, right? Like if you listen to music, they control the party. They control the party. So you don't have to be in the music industry to be impacted by the DJ. So I made it my mission. I didn't want this to just be a music-based thing. I wanted if you're on TV and you listening to you know a DJ's mixtape you need to be in the building the night that that DJ is getting celebrated and honored. So we went into overdrive trying to get A-listers from every every industry you can think of mm -hmm. to show up and give and show their appreciation to these DJs who were all but forgotten for many years. So, I mean, again, the power of relationships, the power of networking, right? You had the sponsorships because you already were doing that. And I know when you try to first put out the first Global Spin Award, production wasn't as great but then you got you use a friend you phoned a friend uh, a guy who had a tv network to help you with the production oh, absolutely <laughs> again trust the process <laughs> <laughs> yeah that, that guy that guy that you used to work for yeah, came, but, came in how that how that conversation go how'd you work that out okay so if, if anybody know puff 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 he ain't the dude you go to when you first have an idea everybody makes that mistake like puff i got a big idea He's the kind of dude, you gotta work him. And you gotta get it hot to where he wanna attend. He didn't come to the Global Spin Awards until it was like year four. Like, like he didn't even show up. And then when he did show up and we had it crazy, it was all kind of A-listers in the building. When he did show up, I remember that night, um, shout to James Cruz, who was his manager <laughs> at the time, James Cruz, you know, was was at the Spin Awards and he comes every year and he was calling Puff like, yo, you need to be here. And Puff was like, yo, you sure? Like, like this this press thing really is working? <laughs> <laughs> he's And he's literally standing there sweating because I'm like, yo, Cruz, get your man in here. But I didn't even invite Puff into year four. And when he came, he looked around the room and it's Khaled at the time you know drama, drama. was one of the biggest uh, yeah, yeah. djs in the industry it was flex it, it was clue it was all kinds of these big and then it wasn't just them it was kevin lyles it was ludicrous it would you know we had so many high level people it was like if you don't come you look like the oddball out yeah and when he came he told me right no i'm lying and this is another guy y'all might want to bring on to your show keith clink scales was at the time CEO of Revolt. And Keith came to um, the Global Spin Awards the year before. Mm -hmm. And he, he came, he stayed for a half hour. He said, Prez, I'm gonna get this on TV. He came the next year and when Puff came, and that was it, it was all she wrote. <laughs> now, now you got, you now, got now Spin it's, Now it's not local no more. <laughs> so so how, how's the, um, like, how is the awards divided up? Like, do you have a committee? that kind of like decides who, who wins the awards and how do you come up with different categories? Coming up with different categories was, was easy and hard at the same time. I know the culture. I'm from the South Bronx. I grew up knowing, you know, who were the hot DJs, knowing the different categories we should break them into. But what we did was we put together a mastermind group, people who really understood the culture and I never voted, um, and I modeled it after some of the most successful award shows out there. So I modeled it after the Grammys. I modeled it after the um, 
the 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 Golden Globes. So whereas you see at the Grammys, um, or excuse me, at the Oscars, everybody go and they're like, first I want to thank the Academy. I, I I had to create my own version of that. So what it, what exactly is that? That's like a group of people, like a secret society of just <laughs> like seventy yeah. voters that nobody no white that just wears hoods. It, it, no, it, it is it is respected individuals. So it might be promotion people, mm-hmm. it might be bloggers, it might be writers, it might it was all people from the culture. And I would pick up the phone and I would call these people individually. Like, look, I'm trying to put together the most fair and honest um, award show for DJs, and I'm gonna need you guys to vote. Every and we call it the bureau. The way the, the the Oscars call it the Academy. The bureau. We call it the bureau. Okay. So if you're on the bureau, you get one vote, one vote, and one vote only. So it ain't like Troy can impact the outcome of who gets a global spin award. It's not like Rashad can impact who gets um, a global spin award. And then myself, I never would vote. I never touched it because I never wanted anybody to accuse me of. Tampering with the process. Tampering the process. Or, being or favorite. Being, exactly. Showing favoritism. So I always stayed away from it. We got Lifetime Achievement Awards? Absolutely. Uh-huh. One, one, somebody from our neighborhood won an um, award. Oh, MOS. MOS? Yeah, yeah, MOS is from y'all neighborhood? Yeah, he's from yeah, out yeah. here. Get out of here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They yeah. know that. Yeah, Shout yeah. Shout out to MOS. He, he went to Woodlands and all that. Yeah. Get out of here. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's from our neighborhood. Him and Suss is from our neighborhood, but he's yeah. definitely from- Suss um, was in class with me. Like, that dude was falling asleep every yeah, night. Yeah, but MOS, like, I think he won, like, <laughs> he, he won, like, he won, like, he won like, like, a DJ of the Year award or something like that. Yeah, now nah, he's big time. So he's big time. He wanted something. What, what, you remember? It was an important award. I have no But I remember when he won that award, he deserves it. He did, and right? I think Suss is one of the one of the dopest DJs Shout in the game, and for years he didn't win, and Suss wasn't even talking to me, <laughs> <laughs> like just to keep it hundred percent. And 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 this is Suss one for anybody who who is not from New York City. He's a he's a big time DJ on the Wendy Williams show, um, Mariah Carey's DJ. But Suss wasn't even talking to me. He was taking it personal, and I was just like, "Yo, like I have nothing to do with this." Like like. Do your thing out there. People will vote for you. I, I just don't know what to tell you. And a lot of DJs didn't think that they could actually win it. And I'm going to tell you another story. Who was, a, it was another person who, who uh, I couldn't believe that he, he didn't win. Every year, D-Nice would come to the mm. Global Spin Awards oh, wow. dressed up in a tuxedo. Every year. And he would sit there and be overlooked. They, they, like D-Nice would be nominated in like five categories. And have to sit there and never, ever, ever get the award. And, and then this year you don't have the award show. I remember, and no, you gotta stop. <laughs> here's, here's a funny thing, yeah. right? I remember it was, I forget what year it was, maybe it's Global Spin Award six, five or something like that, four, I don't know. But I'm looking around the audience now, I know who won. And I'm looking and I'm like, yo, D-Nice always come, I come see him, I'm come looking on, at son. That- like, we, I called D Nice because I know I got two awards with him. Oh, right. <laughs> I, I, he was a person who always supported. Yeah, I call him up and I'm like, "Yo, Derek, where you at?" And he's like, "Yo, I ain't coming this year. Like, I'm DJing." And this is the first and the only time I've ever told somebody they won. It's in real time. I said, "Derek, I don't care what you got to do." But you better leave where you at <laughs> and go home, get dressed, and get down here. I don't know if the party went on that he was DJing. I don't know what Wait, he did. Up. But he came, he came in the nick of time. It was like, 
And the club DJ of the year goes to D Nice, and he comes running. <laughs> Yo, D Nice, South D-Nice, Bronx, man. South yeah. Bronx, South Bronx. There we go. There it is. A lot of history. And this that, year, this year, the quarantine. He um he changed the game with that. Oh yeah, my goodness. In People Magazine is one of the people of the year. But that's why you can never give up. Trust the process. You can. You got to trust. I mean, let, let's you know. Me and you were talking um earlier about KRS One and Boogie Down Production. 15 That's years D old. Nice, 15, 15 years, years old. old. They call me D Nice. The TR 808. There you go. <laughs> you know, D, D, D Nice has been hanging around the game for years. Yeah. And it was such a, uh, uh, you know, it just touched my heart to see that this man finally got the accolades he deserves. Yeah. And to see him winning on the level that he's winning now, you know, but, but, but this is what people, and I'm sorry, yeah. people think. You just get into the game and, 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 and blow. And maybe in y'all case, that's true. <laughs> now that I think about it. Like, 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 Way to shout us out. Like, yeah, maybe in EYL's case, that's true. But there's no such thing as an overnight success. It just ain't. And, 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 and when you see people finally get to where they going, it's no different than Khaled. Khaled had been putting out hits for years, yes, and years, yes. and years and years and years and years. And then finally it was his time. So don't think that people just blow overnight because they don't. They've been putting in work for years. I got it. This is from a hip hop historian. And I'm wondering, right? Because obviously before you started this, there was nothing. So what did it mean to some of the, the older guys, the the Red Alerts, the Cool Hercs, the Chuck Chill Outs of the world? Like what did, what did they, what were their thoughts um, in response to this? Man, you're asking great questions. You're asking such great questions. Red Alert, you know, I idolized that man. I grew up listening to Red. Red Alert is the only person that me, Sean, ever named an award after. So I named for all of the older DJs who are still doing their things, the legend, I was like, yo, the, the word legend has a connotation to it. So thanks for calling me a legend at the, at the beginning <laughs> of the show. I appreciate that. That it make you feel like, like, yo, you oldin' out the game. But for all of the guys who are still doing their thing, but they might not be the young, you know, DJs who are, who are now moving, I named that award the, the, the Red Award. Mm. So you know, every year we're able to give some of the old, you know, whether it's do I Capri. Yeah, all of those guys, if you if you if you doing your thing, you get to win the red award. But to answer your question, Global Spin Awards won <laughs> was a disaster. It was a nightmare. I didn't know what I was doing. As mo- as prepared as we thought we was, we wasn't um it was Murphy's Law. Everything that could go wrong went wrong. And a lot, and what I came to learn is nobody wants to lose publicly. So a lot of the younger DJs didn't show. Even though they was nominated, they was like, yo, it's a chance I'm gonna take an L publicly. So I, I'm just, if I win, great, show them, mail me my trophy. But it was the older guys. So being in the building and seeing the, the, the you know, the Chucks of the world, um, to see the jazzies of the world, to see Red Alert and just all of the, you know, Grandmaster Flash, all of these guys who really set it off for this culture that we call hip hop, cool hurt, all in the building. 
it was those guys who all showed up on year one. And it made all of the young guys come on year two because those were their idols. Mm -hmm. That's why they started to spin to begin with. So yes, it meant a lot. And it's crazy because I'm such a perfectionist. And when Global Spin Awards was over, you know, I was throwing chairs. I, I, I was like, I wanted to like, I was tearing stuff up. Like, you don't even want to see me the day after, or the two weeks after Global Spin Awards, because every, you know, it, it, you're doing a live show, it goes wrong. But it was Red Alert who went up on that stage that night. And he said, Prez, what you doing here? You got to continue this. You have to continue this. And it was, it was words like that from a lot of the OGs that I looked up to that, that gave me the courage to go out there and fall on my face year two, fall on my face year three, and by year four, we was off to the races. Let me let me ask you this. Um, talk about award shows and the Grammys, and every year somebody gets snubbed and it's a whole big thing. What is What do you think, why, why do black artists put so much creed and validation in white award shows? Well, let's just face it, number one, the Grammys are the Grammys. Like, that is the biggest award ceremony for music artists out there. So, I don't know if it's a white thing, a black thing. If that is the gold standard, you want to win a Grammy. You grow up wanting to win a Grammy. Now, we're seeing now the Grammys are getting a lot of pushback. They're getting a lot of people coming forth saying the Grammys are out of touch. They're irrelevant. They're not supporting, like, the biggest artist on the planet, Drake, is like, yo, I'm not going to that. You know? But, but I feel like it's only the black artists that complain, though. Like, even if you look at the Oscars, right? Jackie Chan never won an Oscar, but he makes so much money. The guy made, like, $40 million, like, two years ago. Nobody even knew he put out a movie. Yeah, exactly. I never heard Jackie Chan, like, trying to boycott the Oscars. Like, I just think it's our culture, man. Yeah. I think it's, hip I, no, I'm not going to say it's black or white, because you don't see this in on the Hollywood side, on film. You don't see this. Well, Will on Smith. Television. Will Smith. I remember he had an issue with the Oscars. The Oscars, but, but he's, boycott he's the Oscars. very, very diplomatic. You don't see them coming as hard as the rappers come, and I think it might be more of a rap culture, which is very outspoken, as opposed to just black and white. I could be wrong, but it, yeah, I mean, the, the, the ilmatic part about it is like, yeah, we'll do that, but when you get nominated for a BET, well, you don't show up. You yeah. know what I'm saying? When you do the Soul Train Awards, you don't go. Yeah. And it's like... And Can't we have said, cake and eat it too. Yeah, we said this like on episode two, man. Just save all the accolades. Make the most money you can. Be smart about it and invest it. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's no need for somebody that to validate you. Like, I, I, I told Christian, I'm like, yo, bro, Lil Baby got the best album this year. I don't care what anybody says. Yeah, but you want to know something? It's human nature to want to be validated. Mm -hmm. that, 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 that's why people come to y'all show because you guys are shining a spotlight on people who would be otherwise looked over. Now, they might be rich, and they might be doing their thing, and they might have made it out the hood, but you guys are putting a new spin on education, um, or, or, on people who otherwise play the background. No, that's a very true point, and it's a great networking tool for our interviews, and I learned that early on, was that, um, like you said, somebody could be a real estate developer, and they, they might be a millionaire, but... Nobody knows them. Exactly. And nobody, deep down, everybody has some level of vanity. Everybody wants to be acknowledged. Everybody, nobody doesn't want somebody to know who they are for the most part. 
So, uh, yeah, I can yeah. see it both ways. I can see it both ways. Yeah. I just think that at a certain point, you just got to come to realization that the Grammy's been out of touch for like 40, 30 years. Like, it's yeah. not like they've been <laughs> out of new. Touch. It's yeah. nothing new. We like, just started getting awards in 1990. Yeah, like. it's, not, it's nothing new. <laughs> um, but let me ask you this, another DJ question. Because when we look at, I looked at the Forbes list, like the last 2018, 2019, obviously this year is, is uh, you know, a crazy year because of COVID. But so the top DJs was Chainsmokers made $46 million. Mm-hmm. Uh, Marshmallow, Marshmallow yeah. $40 million. Calvin Harris made $38 million. Steve Aoki made $30 million. Diplo made $25 million. Testo made $24 Tiesto. million. Tiesto. Martin Gar- Garrix. Garrix made $19 million. And David Getta? Getta made $18 million. So first, that's a lot of money. <laughs> what year are we talking? What year was 2018 that? 2018 to 2019. They still making that money? Yeah. Yeah, I, I thought you was gonna say because they was making that kind of money in fourteen, fifteen. Yeah, that's the sixteen. That's from I didn't realize. That, that's from yeah. June two thousand eighteen to June two thousand nineteen. Okay, go ahead. So, all right, a few things strike my attention here. A, that's a lot of money. B, um, DJing, DJing is is started with hip hop. That's a hip hop thing started in the Bronx 1, with Spanish and black people. That's that's just a fact. Nobody on that list is black, Correct. even though DJ started at that. So now the EDM has taken over. So where where did what happened cuz a lot of especially a lot of hip hop DJs they struggle financially. They do a lot of clubs mm-hmm. and the clubs scenes diminishes kind of over, you know, watered and I'm just wondering your perspective like do you see an issue with that? Like the, there's no there's no even like the top DJs aren't making this kind of money. To answer your question, you damn right I see an issue with that. <laughs> like, like, yeah, like yeah. it's 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 egregious. It's disgusting. Um, you know, I, I can tell you even with the Global Spin Awards, right? I remember brands telling me, Oh, we can't sponsor this because you don't have some of the people on that list. Mm-hmm. I won't name names. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's not mainstream enough because you don't have some of those names. And I'm like, what? Which made me even more furious to go out there and make this the biggest award show for what I know to be those DJs favorite DJ. So when I hear those type of numbers, it is a slap in the face to to all of the real DJs. And I, and I don't want to diss nobody, but it, it, it's crazy because you see some of the people on that list, I won't call names, and they look like they're playing records. And then they leave the stage and the records are still, still scratching. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's, that's the mind-boggling part. It's I'm, crazy. I'm thinking to myself, like, I've seen a Marshmallow before. I've seen a Calvin Harris, and I'm like, yo, you telling me DJ Scratch can't do that to an arena? Oh, my God. He would tear arena down. He you would think, tear it down. Like Swiss and Mustard, all these guys, and even like all these new guys, like they could do that. I'm just wondering, is it that we lack the vision of a large scale situation? Because like I'm even like Khaled, like I've seen Khaled open up for Beyonce on a, a number of tours. I'm thinking like, yo, Khaled has enough catalog that he could be the headline for an arena himself, if not a stadium at this point. So is it the lack of vision, or or I think, is it I, think some- it's, I think it's all of the above. I think it's it's somewhat lack of vision. And then it goes into what I was saying, you know, 2020, 2019, 2018, 17, ever since 
that that orange haired dude got into office, he did so much for black people that black people don't even realize. He put a battery in our back like nobody else. Like what? Like like you don't respect us, so we're gonna respect ourselves in a whole different way. And then it becomes the birth of stuff like EYL and buy black and people having pride in who they are. Like, don't you ever look down on us, right? So I think me having been through this, the powers that be don't want to put the money. They don't see the value in our people the way that they see the value in some of the people who you just read off that paper. Mm -hmm. And if they're writing the checks, you know, and, and number one, if they're writing the checks, but also if our DJs are making $5,000 and that means you're doing better than 90% of the other DJs, if you're making $10,000 a set and you're doing better than 99% of the other DJs, you got to really have a broader vision to be yeah. like, yo, no way. Like, it's, And I think, I think that's why what D-Nice did over the quarantine is going, when this thing opens back up, I can see him getting a sold out arena, right? Cause as like, he should. As he should, because we literally watched him rock out. I'll never forget the first time he did it in March. Rocked out for 11 hours straight and turned the world back on the Instagram Live, or on Instagram Live, and it was like, yo, wow. I mean, it's, just, it's like I said, it's just it's like rock and roll, anything like you started it. It should at least be black, some black DJs in the top. There's no way that you have a DJ list of highest paid DJs, and there's not where, that's where it started from. There would be no DJing without hip hop. But but you know that. But think of Becky, who is a 30 year old, 35 year old executive that comes from Des Moines, Iowa, or comes from, like really? she didn't grow up in the same space that you grew up. She didn't grow up in the same environment that you grew up. So her value that she places, when she has a fifty hundred thousand dollar check to cut to a DJ to do the annual Christmas party for X corporation. Do you think she sees the same value in, you know, now she'll see it in D nice cause he's mainstream, yeah. but she ain't cutting that check to none of these other guys who are so deserving of it. Right. And you know, if you have the check writers, who don't come from the culture and don't respect, they 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 love it, but they're not from it. They want to partake in it and go to the clubs and dance to all the hot hip hop, but they don't necessarily want to hang out with, with with nobody who looks like you, me, or you. They're like nah, like I know Tiesto, I know Martin Garrix, I know Marshmello. Those are the people who I want to come and DJ our party because everybody who's in this party knows them, grew up on them. Yeah. Shout out to D-Nice, man. Yeah, that's a fact. And the original. Shout out to all the originals. D-Nice, Clark Clamp, uh, Bobito, Stretch. Um, who am I missing? Um, Stretch Armstrong, Bobito. I think that's it, right? No, 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 no. Um, Rich. Um, Tony Touch. Tony Touch is in it. Yeah. We went to we actually went to one of their shows, man. So is is Rich Nice one of of I think the Untouchables? So. I think I, th I think the, original, the originals, the originals, the originals. Yeah, I think me. so. I think it's Rich. Yeah, yeah. I, I think if he's not, he he he's always standing in with them. Salute to all the DJs. I got yeah. one last DJ question before we transition to to where you're at now in life. 
DJ Khaled, one of, he, this was a, it's actually a Ciroc commercial. Um, it was a great commercial when he said, I had a choice. And they showed like his journey from when he started. To, he's like, I could be the biggest radio DJ. I could be the biggest DJ. A lot of people give Khaled pushback because they feel like, you know, for a variety of different reasons. But I think it's safe to say he's the biggest DJ in hip-hop history. Is that safe to say? It's safe. Yep. Michael Jordan, DJ. Yep. <laughs> Salute to Cal. Salute to Cal. That's new. Yeah. And, and, and if we're talking, if we are talking all around, just worldwide, yeah, 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 yeah. mainstream what appeal. He, what he did, what he did with not, it. Not, not, not here in New York, not in LA. If you're talking, Khaled walks into an event next to every other DJ. Oh, he's the most recognizable. He's the mo he is the celebrity. He's the A-lister. By far. Social media, Snapchat. Champ. Yeah, changed his life. Snapchat changed his life. <laughs> <laughs> That's a fact. That's a fact. That's a, That's a big fact. fact. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a powerful tool, man. So let's talk about motivational speaking. Yep. How did you become, how did you get into that? Because it's like, all right, you start from music, um, doing award shows, marketing. At what point do you pivot and say, I have a story to tell and I can motivate people? How does, how does that come about? Oh, another great question. It didn't come about the way you would think it would come about. It came about me again listening to this inner voice and I am unable to shake it off. When God talks to me, it doesn't matter how bad I don't want to listen. It starts as a whisper and it becomes a smack across my head. So I'm doing my marketing thing we got all kinds of clients making tons of money. I am, you know, a, a music industry vet. There's not too many rooms I can't get into. And I would sit at my desk. I would go to work, go to the office, and I would sit at my desk. And I felt incomplete. I felt this, this can't be life. Meanwhile, I got a staff that, you know, they look, I'm the leader. I'm, I, I, I pay, you know, their bills. They're paying their bills because of checks that I create. And I'm demotivated. And it's hard to fake, for me, it's so hard to fake motivation. It's so hard for me to be anything but authentic and genuine. And I would literally sit at my desk and I would listen to Eric, the hip hop preacher. ET. <laughs> and the legend. The GOAT. Yeah, he's the legend, but the GOAT, and I'm saying it, the guy who inspires me so much, man, Inky Johnson. I just oh, spoke yeah. to Inky Johnson. Oh, I just spoke God. to him. Two days I ago. love that. Is, I just spoke he to him. is the best that ever did. Eric is bigger. Yeah. But if y'all don't know Inky Johnson, go and Google this man. Inky Johnson saved my life. And I would sit there with my headphones on because when you have a staff, you have to, you lead by example, right? Mm -hmm. So I can't come in there dragging and, you know, people see the boss, like he's slacking. So they might've thought I was listening to music, but I was really listening to Inky. And I would listen to Eric and I was trying to find motivation and Right around the time that that was happening, I started to see life different. You get in your 40s and you start to realize there's more to this life than making money. 
It's more to this life. Like, I love what y'all are doing. But people who come on your show should be talking. Like, yes, you want to be successful. You want to make money. But it's more to life than that. And I'm from the South Bronx. And I would look, because I spend, I don't live in the South Bronx anymore, but my church is in the South Bronx still. My family, all of my friends I grew up with. And I would go and I would see the hood. And I started to remember when I was a child and when I had all of these big dreams and I just had nobody whatsoever that that took me under their wing and mentored me and said, Sean, you can make it out of this Bronx. Not because they didn't want to, but they never made it out the Bronx. Mm -hmm. They never knew nobody who made it out the Bronx. And as I was sitting there and finally, you know, and this is a longer story, I won't even go into it, but when I finally started to answer the call, you know, again, it's trust the process. I was listening to these guys to motivate me and to provide direction and education and tell me, Sean, you can do it. I said, I gotta become the mentor that I never had to, because there's South Bronxes all over this world. Mm -hmm. You know, we are from a very poor borough. In New York City, the South Bronx is the Beirut. Like, that is the poorest borough. But there's South Bronxes in Michigan. There's South Bronxes, you know, in California. It's all over the world. And I, and I felt like it was my responsibility. I did it. Maybe I can impact somebody's life and become that mentor that I never had. And that's what set me on the journey. So, so right now you're speaking like um, to companies, schools. Like, what, what, how does that work? Um, well, I um, I speak to companies. I speak to schools. I speak on Instagram Live. I speak wherever I can, mm -hmm. wherever my voice can be heard, and I do it because a lot of companies need people like me to come in and rile the troops up. A lot of schools need people like me to come in and speak to the students and show them that this is greater than a degree. Because I know a lot of people who have degrees who are broke, mm. who are unemployed, who ain't figured it out. Mm -hmm. So I come in and I try to speak to these students that, look, the paper is one thing, but God gave you gifts that, that only you possess. And I'm a firm believer in this, and maybe this is where my cockiness and my ego comes into play. But even when I was this intern, like I told y'all, I knew couldn't nobody mess with me. But looking back on it, it's cause y'all too, me, like we all have these individual gifts that we have that make us us. It is our own secret sauce. And if you just tap into what your secret sauce, what your gift, what the thing that you do better than anybody else without trying at all, you have no choice but to win. So, no choice. So They can jack the swag, but the sauce is sold separately. There you go. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and, and that, I mean, the Power Move Makers is, is inspiring. I've watched a few of them, man. And one of the, 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 the clips that caught my, my attention, man, it really grabbed me. It was like, yes, you love Inky Johnson. Yes, you love Eric the hip hop preacher, but you said, yo, I'm coming for the crown. No question. <laughs> That's the only reason I'm getting in this thing. I want to be the best. And if you're not 
focus and have laser focus, that's your, your key word right mm-hmm. there, laser focus, you shouldn't do it at all. You want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I, 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 you know, me, me, you know, I'm born to a single mother, alcoholic father, right? And like I said, I didn't have any mentors. My grandfather was the closest thing to a mentor I had. But he never made it further than the Bronx and down south. But he taught me to be a man. But one of the things he instilled in me was work ethic and what it was to become a man. And if you put your mind to something, you go all out for it. And for me, even now that I'm doing this speaking, you think I'm worried about anybody else but Eric and Inky? Everybody else is it just in my way. Like, yo, like, I'm not worried about, like, I don't care if y'all making more money than me speaking right now. I don't care if you got a bigger name than me. You ain't in the top spot. I'm only focused on the top spot. And with all due respect, because I love, you know, I ain't never met Eric yet. I never talked to him. But Inky is my guy. And with all due respect, I'm coming for the crown. It's, it's as simple as that. <laughs> I, got like, a, like, I, got, I got the new campaign. I wrote it. The crown of nothing. The crown of, oh, it's the crown of nothing. I like that. You a marketing guy at heart. <laughs> <laughs> you need to come on over to power moves. <laughs> the crown of nothing. The crown of nothing. That's, that's, there you have it, ladies yeah, and I'm gentlemen. I'm putting the world on notice. Like, like you got to speak this thing into existence. You think I'm doing this to be number two? You think I'm doing this to stand next to somebody else but those two dudes? Like, no way. It's, it's not even a chance. And, and here's, a, here's another thing. Because, again, you know, and it kind of goes to your point where you were talking about the differences between the black DJs and the white DJs. Those guys are powerful. Those guys saved my life. But the Tony Robbins and so many of those other guys are making quadru- They're making That's a so fact. much freaking more That's a fact. money That's a fact. Than, than those guys. That's a fact. So, you know, I know I'm calling out Inky in them because I adore these dudes. Like, like I am such a, a fan of these guys. But truth of the matter is, I'm really coming for Tony, and I'm gonna bring something to this game that they ain't never seen before. So like, like, like they they haven't seen it yet. So when 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 it's my time and I got the crown, I'm gonna make inspirational and motivational speaking something so different, and. I am going, how did Jay say it? I'm overcharging for what they, they did, did to the Cobras. There, there you go. I'm overcharging them for what they did to Inky and my man Eric. Pay us like you owe us for all the years that you hold there us. There you go. <laughs> That's a fact. That's a fact, ladies and gentlemen. Sean, it's been a pleasure. Um, how can the people contact you? How, what's your social media handles? Uh, and you got a podcast too. Um, yeah, so any information you want to uh, let the people know? Yes. First, I want to let the people know that I am so proud of you guys. I thank you guys for what you are doing for our community. I thank you guys for the light that you are shining on people who look like us, who talk like us, who come from the same environments and hoods as us. I I, I applaud y'all. And I'm saying this sincerely. I'm not saying it because I'm here. I'm saying it sincerely. You guys are bringing something special to this world and it's so needed. It, it, it is education, and, and, and you are really shining a wonderful spotlight on 
once upon a time, you in order to make it out the hood, you thought you had to dribble a basketball. You thought you had to write a rap. Yeah. You thought you had to go in the studio and make beats. Y'all are showing people, I don't have those kind of talents. Mm -hmm. I can't make a beat. If somebody put a gun <laughs> in my head right now, I can't make a beat. I can't write a rap. But y'all have created this wonderful platform. And, you know, I'm following behind y'all. I have a very similar platform called Power Move Makers. And I'm shining a light on a lot of the individuals that you guys have on this show. And I want to, again, have people come onto my platform and give back and become the mentors and the educators to our communities that just like I didn't have these people, maybe they don't have them in their life. So that's number one. Find me at on YouTube at Power Move Makers and everything else is Power Move Prez at Power Moves and my last name is P as in Paul, R as in Roger, E as in Elvis, Z as in Zebra. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Troy, housekeeping items? Yeah, shout out to everybody on Patreon.com. Y'all know that's our proud to pay program. Rest in peace to Nip, man. I, I always be remiss to say that, but uh, rest in peace to Nip. Um, y'all know Tier 5, y'all have access to EYL University, the number one online school for financial education in the world. We're very proud of that. And I just want to give a quick shout out to three new members, Tier 5 members, uh, Demarius, Justin, and Steven. Uh, we are looking forward to having that conversation with y'all. We appreciate y'all. And everybody that is supporting that new EYL merch, the Earnest Collection, uh, we greatly appreciate y'all, man. That's for sure. All right, guys. Thank you for rocking with us. We'll see you next week. Peace. 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 Ready for a career in behavioral health? Earn your online degree at Herzing University. Choose from health and human services, psychology, or social work programs. Gain the skills to work, coordinate, and manage nonprofits. Secure a bachelor's in psychology to study mental health or advance your social work career through our online master's of social work. Let us help you become a social change agent. Your future starts now at Herzing University. Text HEALTH to 85109. That's HEALTH to 85109. Or visit herzing.edu. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.